0: Welcome back to another episode of the Golf.com podcast. I am Sean Zock, joined by Dylan DeChair, as always. We're going to dive into some topics here, but later on we'll have an interview with tour winner Martin Trainer. Tour winner, in studio, yeah. tour winner. My voice has left me, but the pod must go on. Dylan? You're, you're playing hurt. This yeah. is your flu game. Have we had a golfy week?
1: You know, we have kind of had a golfy week. You know what we did this week? We went and played simulator golf, which... It's kind of not the same. It's not the same thing. But in New York City in the summer, you gotta do what you gotta do. We got out of work Friday evening and we snuck over to five iron golf. But my biggest takeaway, Sean, from this whole outing, gimme putts. We did not do any putting. And there was a bit of frustration because what you can end up like fifty feet away. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, that's three putts from there and you're like, Come on. Yeah. You could have two putted that thing. But You can actually make it through a round. And as frustrating as like the computer taking over is actual putting in a simulator is the most frustrating thing ever. So,
0: well, occasionally it gives you yeah like a 25 foot made putt for bird. That's right. Yeah. That's just a lottery aspect to it. Uh, The golfiest part of my week was playing sleepy hollow, which, you know, a lot of times I always say i would never want like a country club membership Yeah, you're
1: more of a relatable guy typically than this but i don't yeah
0: i don't want that because I, I don't want to go to the same place every single day and play the same course but when you go to places like that it really kind of makes you feel like damn i really want a membership i want to come here every day
1: yeah i'm worried that you're going to lose touch with the people no never the people of the podcast our okay. dear listeners
0: moving on uh we got three topics before we we talk with martin trainer first is jordan spieth the Golden Child shot 64 on Thursday, lowest round of the season. Then he shot 67 on Friday. Then he shot 77 on Saturday. He misses the secondary cut. He's outside the top 35 in the world. He is very unlikely to make it to the Tour Championship. What's wrong with Jordan Speed?
1: He's right on the edge of the uh, that BMW cut right now. He's yeah. right around right around 70th in the standings. I don't know about what's wrong with him, but, but first just to like get into his week a little bit, this was a fascinating week and kind of a microcosm of speed's last couple of years. He essentially led the field in putting the first two days and he was second to last in the, in putting on Saturday. He had this really clean card on Saturday. He made 14 pars, one bogey wow, and three double bogeys. <laughs> and you just, you don't really see that that often. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, one thing that we keep coming back to is what was underrated this whole time was his ball striking. When he was playing his best golf, he was essentially like the best irons player in the world. You know, Tiger Woods was nowhere to be found at that point. But Spieth looked a little bit like the heir to, you know, that aspect of golf in terms of just being the best player from the fairway to the green. Um, And now... It's tough. I mean, he can't hit it in play. He hit four fairways yesterday, or on Saturday, rather. He uh, And then when the putter goes cold, it goes really, really cold. Yeah. You see him missing these short putts. It seems like if he gets hot to start the round, he stays hot. If he misses a three-footer like he did on Saturday, he unravels. there's a chance it might just keep going in the wrong direction.
0: What I what I can't be sure of is whether or not we're paying like too much attention to this. Because Jordan's had... A pretty, Usually, respect- yeah. he's had a pretty respectable year when you just look at the number of cuts made number of top 25 finishes he's he's kind of earned that like mid-30s spot in the world ranking uh and so i wonder like is his popularity the reason why we, we're so focused on him do we see his missed three foot putts way more than we see Ches rebe missing three foot putts just because he's on camera more or he's on tv more There's got to be an element of that involved with Jordan.
1: For sure. And there's always over analysis when it comes to Spieth, especially with his putter um, because of his personality. But let me just run you through his scoring average by round. His first round scoring average, uh, 69 and a half, 18th on tour. Mm -hmm. So 18, that's pretty good. Yeah. Second round scoring average, he's elite this year, 68.47. That's second on tour. Third round scoring average goes up to 70.8. So Saturdays, Spieth is the 149th best player on tour. And then by Sunday, whether it's fatigue, pressure, thinking too much, whatever it is, he's averaging 73.0 for the year, 201st on tour. Just about gets you down to the bottom of the rankings at that point. I mean, clearly there's a ton of game there. And I, I really appreciate also Spieth's willingness to talk more openly about it. I feel like he's been pretty honest, but there are some some serious struggles
0: His game, like, he's putting better than he ever has in his entire life. Yeah. when When you actually look at the numbers, his putting, this is his best season of his career. So everything else has kind of failed him. But at one point, when he first started, he was one of the best drivers on tour. Like, no, he's not hanging as far as Dustin Johnson, but he was one of the most, like, efficient, like, legendarily efficient during his 2014, 2015 years. So at one point in his career, great driver. Then he became the best ball striker on the planet. So at another point in his career, great ball striker, like every aspect of his game has been great at certain points, but right now, is it better to be Adam Scott and be a great a great driver, ridiculous ball striker, and you just know you're going to be awful putting or <laughs> yeah. to be Jordan Spieth where like at any one point it can be all amazing. And also at any one point it can be all bad.
1: Well, I think it's better to be Spieth because when he gets hot, he can still have that Upper ceiling. And he's yeah. got a little bit of, you know, kepka in him where he seems to rally still for the big events. You know, whether he he just gives himself permission to just play and score that week or, you know, what it is. I feel like with speeth we just try to do way too much psychoanalyzing. Um but I don't know, you know, not to undo everything we've just said, but it has gotten better for Speeth. In recent weeks, let's just run through this summer since the PGA championship t3 t8 t7 and then he had a t65 at the u.s open missed the travelers cut but then top 20s at the the open championship and at the wgc fedex so really we're talking about one horrible round saturday three doubles it does happen um but with speeth it's just been happening more than we've been
0: used to yeah and we have to ask the question like a lot of times I will plead, we need a bigger sample size. We can't like rush to conclusions about a player who's just struggling because everybody struggles at some point. But when you win three majors before 25 years old, you ascend to a certain part of the game where you get criticized, not because of whether you're playing poorly or what. You get criticized because we're trying to like place you. We're trying to figure mm-hmm. out, are you the person to supplant Tiger? Are you the person – are you the golfer of your generation? Or is it someone else? Like When you're that good – it's okay for us to ask the question. Moving on. We've got the FedEx Cup playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> there goes my voice. The Wyndham Championship marked the end of the regular season, which means we now have the first three event FedEx Cup playoffs played entirely in the month of August. There's storylines everywhere. Yeah, nothing really stands out to me. What has you most interested?
1: Well, look, the biggest thing ever, everyone is wondering Tiger Woods, what's his deal? Yeah. You know, the last time we saw him, he looked a little bit wearied over in Ireland, Northern Ireland. And I mean, I think that the biggest thing that people are going to be scrutinizing this week is just what does he look like? It's going to be a hot week in New Jersey. You know, he's going to be able to move a little bit better, presumably, than the cold rounds he's played at Pebble and at Portrush. Um, so what guy are we going to see? And I'm typically pretty optimistic when it comes to Tiger Woods. Hey. And I feel pretty optimistic this week oh just because God. it's going to be... look. The weather is suited him well. He's had some actual time off. I think that, you know, his trip to uh to Southeast Asia before the Open Championship sounds like really took a toll. You know, there what, are a few the different guy can't go on a vacation
0: and come back and still play good golf. Well, we're we really going to use that as an excuse. I,
1: Justin Rose says he can't play more than a tournament every month. <laughs> so I mean. he's younger than Tiger is.
0: Well, I appreciate you at least couching your Tiger uh, optimism and and love at least calling yourself out because that is very much a real thing with you. Uh, Speaking of Tiger, what has me most interested, and I'm not sure if this is a good thing or not, but the uh, President's Cup captain's picks are made the Monday after the BMW. So two tournaments from now, Tiger Woods will make four captain's picks. Yeah. Which is really, really intriguing because Tiger... Might pick himself. He's ranked 12th right now in the President's Cup standings. Phil Mickelson ranked 14th. Does Tiger choose himself? Does he choose himself over Phil? Does he choose himself and Phil? Does he choose neither of them of, of these veterans for the President's Cup team? Is he choosing Ches Revy over them? Like, I don't know if it's a good thing that I'm most intrigued by qualification for a December event and instead of the playoffs, but that, that's what has me intrigued right now.
1: Yeah, well, it's funny because it's like the President's Cup itself is not even really what we're talking about here. It's like this ability to put people in context and yeah. to rank them at the end of the year is kind of what's fun and interesting about it. Your boy Jordan Spieth, by the way, 27th in those rankings. <laughs> he so will not be playing. He's a little ways outside. Like but, he,
0: he, There's no way he makes that team, right? Well, Unless he like, wins.
1: Again, that's maybe the biggest intrigue of these playoffs. Does Tiger play well enough to really justify picking himself? Because he's played so little thus mm-hmm. far. I think he's only played, what, 10 tournaments this year? That if he plays well, it's going to be a no-brainer to say, look, per start, I'm actually playing great. Yeah. Um, but if he doesn't, then there's a lot more questions around it.
0: I December is a long way away. But, I mean, th- these are probably the most important or will be the most scrutinized captain's picks in the history of the event. Which sounds a bit flagrant to say. But it's true. Tiger Woods, the greatest player ever. Is has the potential to become a playing captain.
1: The most famous captain ever <laughs> could like, be playing.
0: Yeah, I, I think that uh, this will probably be the most picked apart captains' picks.
1: Can I say why is this guy a Presidents Cup captain right now? Do we have we just given he, up on his playing career? Is that
0: well, no. Like this was decided in 2017. Yeah, yeah, I know. But at that so point,
1: this, had. You know, was it just oh, there's no chance Tiger will be playing? If so, it is Dude, remarkable that you got to put playing, yourself like, back
0: in your in your former self. Like Dylan DeCher in 2017 did not have as much optimism for Tiger Woods, and that made you normal. Mm. Nobody did.
1: I don't know about that. <laughs> we got receipts.
0: Um,
1: is there anything else left to be decided this year? Has Brooks Kepka He's locked up the yeah. fact that he's the Player of the Year. Player of the Year.
0: Um, he's leading the FedEx cup.
1: Is there anyone that could win the FedEx cup that would really change your, you know, that would get you really excited beyond, Oh, this guy gets 10 large
0: tiger. That's it. Yeah. Which is too bad, but that's just how this year has gone. Like Rory won the players and he won Canada, but he doesn't really have the major finishes to like put a dent in Kepka's campaign. So that's kind of it. But I'm excited to see Medina play. Yeah, that's uh,
1: what, so which which of the three events are you most excited definitely for? Definitely the
0: BMW. Yeah. Yeah. Because by the t- the tour championship's going to be wacky with the <laughs> the the scoring yeah, system. The
1: madness. That's true. So. We'll cover that week of. Uh and I know you're not a big limited field event guy no, anyway. Not
0: at all. Moving on, this is the end of the regular season for 2019. The PGA Tour just announced what the regular season is going to look like. Uh, in its schedule for 2020, I guess if you call them highlights, it would be that the Detroit event is being moved up one month into May. The Minnesota event has been moved back to follow the British Open, and the Memphis WGC will be between the U.S. and British Opens. Which event of all of them do you think benefited the most and which lost the most?
1: Um, I think that there's a potential that the Detroit event, the Rocket, Rocket Mortgage Classic, may have benefited the most. I mean, it, really? it it moved to Detroit the week before the Memorial. You could kind of just make that a little combo for big players. Um, I mean, the real answer is the Zozo, this brand-new <laughs> event in Japan. Uh, there's talk of a skins game beforehand with Tiger and Rory and Hideki. Um, and, you know, so this, this is the f- artist formerly known as the CIMB Classic, It's this limited field event, and you have Tiger Woods already committed to it. So I think that by default, that makes you the big winner. Um, But yeah, I like the Rocket Mortgage position, and then the WGC in Memphis. Big winner. Other big, big winner. It's relevant again. (laughs) Somehow we had Rory versus Brooks in the final round, and it just felt flat this year, because it came right on the heels of the Open Championship. Um, Now it's it's two weeks after the U.S. Open. It's three weeks before the Open, and uh, that's what it keeps coming back to this theme with these big tournaments is they work best when there's a little room to breathe in between them. Mm -hmm. You need that week off in between. So that's my big winner.
0: Yeah. But that concurrently means bad things for the European tour because the WGC was, has always been slotted, you know, at a different time. It gets moved up because of the Olympics and now it is opposite the typical spot for the Irish open. And so when Memphis wins, the Irish open kind of loses, but only because it's being moved probably into September. Like they're not gonna try and host it in the middle of July before the British Open, which stinks because the Irish, Scottish, British mm-hmm. is a great run up of the Links. League, yeah, it's yeah. Links season, right? And so now we won't have that. So the European tour kind of probably takes a little bit of an L there. But if the Irish Open is moved to September, that's kind of a great time to go to Ireland. Ooh. Uh, we might have to go and cover it live. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
1: the other big winner, or excuse me, big loser. Apologies to uh, to our cube mate Joshua Burhow, but the three M Open after a pretty strong debut, big time field.
0: Yeah, Matt Wolf victory
1: TPC Twin Cities. Mm, but this twenty twenty position dumped right after the open, right before the Olympics. I don't think we're going to see guys no going to go from the open to Minneapolis. To, to Tokyo, Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: actually it's kind of linear but when you think about it lastly the fans won could we give it up for the fans PGA Tour players always thank their fans whenever they do something well uh, the fans beginning in December we will have in the span of 10 months President's Cup in Australia the players the Masters the PGA at Harding Park US Open at Wingfoot the Open at Royal St. George's the Olympics in Tokyo and the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits that's eight gigantic events in a 10 month span uh, probably the most that golf has ever had in a 10 month span and i don't know a bunch of other wgcs mixed in that's i think this is like the best schedule that the pga tour could have dreamed of
1: totally look it's easiest and most fun to sort of like dump on any decisions that people make in general like especially people in in authority positions the establishment but the pga tour is getting towards its best possible vision it's so much better than look once footballs are in the air people are just going to be out (laughs) you know it, it, it 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 reverts back to being more of this niche sport um which is fine and great but you know if you're peaking for the tour championship and to you know a lesser extent the open championship as your climax your finale you know, this just makes a lot more sense in its current
0: construction. So props. You know who's going to be involved on in the PGA Tour in 2020? Who's that? Martin Trainer. Oh, he sure is. Let's bring him in. Martin Trainer here in
1: studio with us. So just to introduce uh, how we've gotten to know Martin a little bit. We actually, the two of us ran into Martin uh, through a mutual friend, Matt Garcia.
0: At in the, another country.
1: At the Mayakoba Classic uh, last year in Playa del Carmen had some tacos, you know. Freaking amazing tacos. One thing led to another, and uh, I ended up caddying twice this summer for Martin, but Martin is just finishing, has just finished his rookie season. Uh, He's a Bay Area native, and uh, we just want to welcome him into the studio. Martin, thanks for coming on in. Oh,
2: thank you guys. I'm happy to be here. See the the golf dot com studio or what is it is it golf the mag is it the mag is it yeah golf magazine slash golf dot com <laughs> studios that's so, a lengthy
1: title
0: and yeah. right, we're gonna have to work on that so what you caddied in, in the valspar caddied
1: in the valspar sure. well we'll get to that but yeah uh, i want to i want to so kind of start at the beginning sure of martin how did you get onto the PJ tour because you know look especially in the in the media here the people we see most that are you know seeing their their first action on tour like victor hovland you know morikawa matt wolf those guys are just coming straight out of college taking the tour by storm but you took a different path and kind of an incredible one
2: so it all started with my parents having sex (laughs) and then shortly thereafter i was born into a golfing family no um well you know i sort of went through the usual path growing up, became like a good high school player and then played at USC. And then I toiled around on the uh, mini tours for a few years. You know, I see all these guys now, obviously, this is like the year of the college golfers winning tournaments, you know, but I took sort of a more traditional journeyman's path. I played the Latin tour for a few years. Then I played the web tour for a couple of years and finally made it up this past season. And uh, this is perfect timing because this is, Literally the day that my rookie season ends.
1: That's right, I know. So, all right, but let me tell me about exactly the moment. What was the qualification that got you from the web to the tour? What was that season like? Because this was last year. So it was it was a little untraditional in this way. <laughs> it in was. That
2: I started the season with no status anywhere, and my plan was well, you know, I played the Web.com Tour in 2017. I'm going to go back down to the Latin tour because I missed web.com Q school for the 2018 season. I have no status, nothing. So I go to Latin Q school and you know, I end up getting through that and I'm planning. I even booked a bunch of flights down to Latin America (laughs) that I later had to cancel because I ended up Monday qualifying for the uh, web.com event in Mexico and uh, ended up winning and so
1: <laughs> as one does yeah this doesn't really happen the monday to the w that week does not happen that often and did that does that instantly give you status not quite right so it does give me status or it for gives dot com status mm-hmm. rather
2: and it puts me in a good position obviously to you know try to make it to the tour at the end of the year so you know i basically my world flipped upside down in terms of my career it was you know, I was going to have this plan of playing the Latin tour and then hopefully being in a good position to have an attempt, yeah, to get to the web.com tour in 2019, aka this year. That was the plan, and of course, it all flipped upside down, and all of a sudden, I was you know in the driver's seat to get my tour card. And then, what did you
1: do to actually lock down your tour card?
2: Um, missed a lot of cuts <laughs> after the win, a lot of cuts, months of cuts, even, and then um i ended up winning again in missouri it's really inexplicable i I don't know what's going on i don't know why i can't just finish 12th like (laughs) i have exactly zero finishes in the last year from 10th to 25th that's i've never finished 10th to 25th (laughs) like is that is something wrong
1: with me like what's going on that's crazy we're just in the quest for that t12 (laughs) all right so you uh you obviously then qualify for the big tour, the PGA Tour. You start out at the, uh, at the Safeway. And then, you know, just take us through the start of your tour career, those first few months. What was the biggest adjustment to life on the PGA Tour? Is there anything that was notably different from your life before?
2: I mean, yes and no. It's one of those things where when you first get out there, you literally can't believe your eyes because you're playing. Like the first tournament that I played in was Napa, And Phil Mickelson was there. And I'm just like, I'm playing against Phil Mickelson. Like, I'm not playing against, you know, guys that I messed around on the mini tours with for a bunch of years that made it up to the web.com tour. You know, you would see the occasional guy on the web tour, like, you know, former tour champions that are, you know, in the 48, 49 category getting ready for the senior tour. Or, you know, you would see some big-ish names out there. But this was just like this is the tournaments that they cover on TV, you know, this is the big deal. And so, you know, it was kind of weird to be out there with those guys and intimidating, frankly, when you're a rookie going out there, it's not like it's just, it's not like, you know, you're Matt Wolf and Colin Morikawa where you're just like, oh yeah, sure. I'll just win. That's fine. <laughs> like I've won at every level. I'll just win out here. What's the big deal? You know, it's like, that was not my mindset at all. I was, I was like, oh my God, like, am I going to be able to compete with them? Like, am I good enough? Sure. I did well on the web tour, but you know, can I do well on the PGA tour? So that was a big adjustment. But once you get to the golf course, it's Kind of just the same thing. Yeah, like you're just out there. you playing golf. You have an eight iron from 160, and you just hit it. Like there, there's no difference. It's not like it's not like you're playing the U.S. Open every week where yeah. the courses are just something you've never seen before. It's just it's normal golf.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking back at that time, then you you made your first cut, right? You made that. Made your I cut. did. Yeah, at the same first point. week at Napa. Um, but it seems like the first time you really played your way into like semi contention was at Pebble. Um, and then you got paired on the weekend with Jordan Spieth. So then suddenly you're, you know, you're on TV. Did that feel like your first moment in the spotlight? And, and what was that like? Yeah, definitely. That was like, up wait, until wait, 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 then.
0: Wait, 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 wait. Who you, was your amateur that you were paired up with?
2: Um, he was a gentleman from Colorado. Okay. Um, but I think you're referring to the final round when I played with Spieth and Jake Owen. Um, and I have a great picture of all of us standing on the 18th tee. It's pretty sweet. Nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, talk about like a distraction for your first ever, you know. <laughs> that
0: must be wild. Like, big
2: tour. You know, and it was I was like in 16th place or 18th place or something at Pebble going into Sunday. Like this is, this is the biggest tournament I had played in so far. Like I just shot a great round at Spyglass on Saturday and, you know, I got paired with Spieth and it was this big deal for me at least, you know, for those guys, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. That was like, you know, Speeth having a, a mediocre tournament, but for me it was like the biggest deal ever. And, you know, up until that point they they always say there's like multiple PGA tours because there's the guys who play the WG season majors and they're just on T V every round, including Thursday Friday, and those guys it's like you don't play with those guys. There's this whole other tour for the rookies where, yeah. you know, you don't get into anything above an average field tournament. Yeah. You know, you're playing all the opposite field events, you're playing all the events in the fall, you're sort of playing all these events that, you know, basically you don't see those guys that yeah. often. I didn't see tiger yeah. until I think, uh, Bay Hill, Okay. You know, I didn't, because I just, I never saw him. I didn't get into Torrey. I didn't get into LA, you know, I didn't get into Phoenix. I mean, that is, that is something a, that is
0: lost on. I think the, the, the normal yeah. golf fan, cause people just kind of assume the PGA tour 200. Or so players, they choose wherever they go. And you, and a lot of people in your position, can't quite choose. Like
2: you, you have a tour card, yeah. but the card only works. You can only <laughs> swipe it at certain events. <laughs> you know, I yeah. don't know. Mine was broken. I wouldn't. <laughs> it wouldn't swipe into certain events. But no, that's how it is. When you're a rookie, you start out, and it makes sense. You know, there's there's more than 156 guys playing the tour, and uh, you know there isn't room for everyone at every tournament. So when you start out, you know you don't really you don't really get to play all the biggest events. You have to earn your way. So the 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 uh, meritocracy doesn't just end once you get off the web tour. You have to keep going and mm-hmm. keep earning it. But at Pebble, that was sort of the first taste of like, okay, this is the tour. Mm-hmm. It's Sunday at Pebble, and I'm playing with Spieth, and there's crowds. Yeah. I mean, I basically didn't play in front of crowds for <laughs> a few months. You yeah. know? No one's coming out at like... 11 a.m. on the back nine on Thursday (laughs) to watch the Valspar guys play opposite field events. Yeah, you know, it's but that was the tour for sure.
1: Yeah. And what did you take away from that experience? Did you learn anything from Spieth just about, you know, how he deals with always being the spotlight or how he how he deals with fans and crowds? It's just hard to deal with it sometimes. And like,
2: obviously, he's used to it because he's been in the spotlight for a while now. But you know, last summer I ended up playing with Steph Curry in the um, LME uh, Classic yeah. on the Web.com tour. And it sort of was reminiscent of that, how Steph just doesn't really have a normal experience on the golf course. And I don't think any of the top guys do. You know, you have drunk fans yeah. yelling at them <laughs> during their round and they're trying to, you know, compete for majors. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really just a, it's just a wild experience.
0: Are we going to get Martin in, in trouble for him continually saying web.com tour Oh when that no longer exists. The
1: corn fairy tour. <laughs> Apologies to the brass up top. Yeah, I'm sure he'll get a letter. Um, looking back then, your next week after this, and you can, you can tell us if that's a coincidence or not, that it came right after contending for the first time. Two
0: weeks later, next event.
1: Yeah, yeah, sorry. Your next event, you head to the Puerto Rico Open. And what happens there?
2: Um, inexplicable. <laughs> but I end up uh you know, playing my way into contention and then the final round, you know, I don't know what happened, but I played really great and had a great back nine and I ended up winning.
0: I think he was afraid of finishing T twelve. So he just right. went out and won the damn thing.
2: Yeah. No, you guys are completely wrong. And my goal is to finish T twelve. <laughs> like that is my goal for next season. I have now completed two <laughs> straight seasons without a tenth to twenty fifth, so We'll have to work
1: on that for next year. So you win in Puerto Rico. I mean, that's a big deal. You and Tony Fino, actually, both very similar. You each have one win on tour, came at the Puerto Rico Open. A little fun fact. Mm. Um, I mean, looking back now, having a little bit of distance from it, what sticks out about that week and and the experience or the relevance of it now, how it's changed your entire career?
2: Uh, First thing that comes to mind, wide fairways, (laughs) which I took
1: full advantage of.
2: I think that might be the key for me is I need extremely wide fairways so I can hit driver on every hole. <laughs> and then, you know, once in a while I'll do my usual, like, you know, Oh, what happened there? And it's sailing 30 yards right of the fairway. But in that case it didn't penalize me too much, but yeah, I mean obviously it was a huge turning point in my career. You know, I, I was, you know, battling to keep my card It was still early in the season, but you know, it was, it, It's not easy out there. That's probably the biggest thing I learned is uh, it's just really hard. Everyone's really good. And, you know, what you previously considered to be a good round is now an average round and you have to play great just to keep up and finish in the top 10. And so, um, which of course I never do. Hypothetically. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, you know, it's just, it's just a whole different game out there. And, you know, to have won and now be able to keep my status for two years i guess when you're at home watching you sort of have a different lens you see it as totally. you know the top players are out there trying to cement their legacies or <laughs> you know win majors or but there's this whole subsection of guys that are out there that are just trying to stay out there
0: yeah totally i was ta- um i was texting uh, with brian windhorse yesterday because he's his boy name drop <laughs> yeah name drop um He's good friends with Ryan armor and Ryan armor is double name drop. <laughs> has, has pretty much for a good moment of the last five years been kind of right around the edge of the FedEx cup, earning your card back every single year. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about how the, the truth is this week is one of the most important weeks in the PGA tour every year. If you, at the beginning of, the, of 2020, we were like, what's going to be the most important week on the PGA tour. You'll point to the majors. You'll point to some other event that tiger's playing. But to Martin's point, for like sixty percent of the PGA Tour, the most important week is the one that decides if you're going to play again yeah. next year. Yeah,
1: there's all this fun drama, and I mean, you know, you you can look at the top of the leaderboard, see that Paul Casey's the only player in the top ten. Get your money, Paul. Come get your <laughs> come get that Wyndham Rewards money. He's the only player in the top 10 that's played this week because otherwise it, it really means you're playing like six events in a row if you're playing all the way through the playoffs but there's a ton of you know drama of guys on the margins we're seeing guys like martin keimer misses the cut now he doesn't have any PJ tour status anymore yeah. i mean it's crazy
0: how did you celebrate the victory
2: um by taking a flight to the honda <laughs> classic
0: which I was
2: admitted into, fun fact, because I had just won a tournament, no, so now uh, your card my worked. schedule had flipped completely upside down as well. My card swiped, <laughs> and I was actually able to play in these cool tournaments. You know, I got to play Bay Hill. I got to play the Players Championship, but back to what you guys were saying about keeping your card. It's funny. I was in the locker room at the Wyndham on Friday, and I ran into Jonathan Bird, who I got to know a little bit out there. You know, we had dinner one time, and super nice guy, and And I had this weird interaction with them. And Dylan and I have a theory about this, but (laughs) he comes up to me and he saw that I shot, you know, like five over and I was near DFL um, after the first round. And, you know, I'm right on the bubble of the 125. I was like 127 heading into the week. And I needed, you know, a a good week, a made cut Mm -hmm. to try to move up into the playoffs. And and I think he, our theory is that he saw, where i was at and saw how i played and he came up to me in the locker room and he just had this concerned look on his face and he was just like hey man like how are you doing man are you okay are you doing okay you feeling all right yeah and i was just like yeah man doing well how are you (laughs) and then and then he came back like 10 minutes later and i think i must have just I was sitting in front of my locker just, like, staring aimlessly and, like, you know, maybe just sort of, like, thinking about something. I don't know. I must have looked a little weird and a little, you know, sad or something. I don't know. But he just comes back and he's like, hey, man, you know, just just go out there and try to have fun, man. Just try to have fun. What? You know? And he just kind of gives me, like, this, you know, concerned look. And then I realized... Oh, I think he thinks I'm going to lose my card. For yeah, sure. totally.
1: For sure. He may not be like, as dude. Big I a won fan. earlier this year. He may not be as big a Puerto Rico Open fan as some of the rest of us are. <laughs> well, and wild. of course, I mean, Jay Bird was also on the edge. He was number 148 going into this week, so he was in you know in that. Yeah, same I should boat have given in. him the yeah. talk. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Why was he giving me the I talk? I think He was like just looking to commiserate a little bit. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Oh man! All right, so walk us through the players. Was that one of the coolest? I mean, you hadn't played in a major up to that point, correct? Yeah, that's right. So,
0: did you just call the players a major? I
1: certainly did not. I made <laughs> a point of not doing that. Well, what's the deal with that? Or, or do we think it's a major,
2: or do we not think it's not a major? It's not a major. Not with these guys. I I say it's a major. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I feel like it's a major. Don't you? Come oh wait, in are you a, are you
0: a and... PGA Tour player? That makes sense. <laughs> oh gosh,
2: but that was that was one of the best events of the year. Hands down. That's for sure. It was just so I mean, all all the players were there. Like it's a who's who in the yeah. locker room and it's an epic golf course and like all the amenities are just everything you could dream of. I mean it, it really was like the peak of the peak, you know.
0: Did you splash on seventeen or did you hit the green?
2: I did not. Nice. Though so I
0: did hit the bunker.
2: Oh really? I hit it <laughs> in the bunker, which is like three feet wide. On Sunday? Um I believe it was on Friday. Oh
0: okay. Cuz that on Sunday you're just being aggressive, right? You're going right at the pitch right. Yeah, yeah, which Friday uh, a little bit more, I will guess. not be doing ever. <laughs>
2: but um yeah, I I hit it in the bunker and it was actually on Friday when I was hovering around the cut line and I managed to get it up and down, which was uh, nice. which is very fortunate for me, but yeah, I mean, god, what a golf course. 17 by the way was sort of a moment i'll never forget like when you walk up there it even in a practice round there's so many people out there watching and and you know they're screaming and they're already drinking and i mean it's just it's just a ridiculous atmosphere and then come the weekend you know i think i was i was playing if you know a few groups behind tiger or whatever oh, wow. and like there's just so many people it was just mind-boggling to be out there you were playing with francesco right I was. Did yeah, speak I played to you played with him on Sunday? <laughs> um not big on words, Francesco, <laughs> but a uh, very nice guy. We spoke a little bit, you know, we we sort of uh talked a little bit about, you know, our uh, European roots and uh you know, he's he's a very nice guy, but yeah, definitely
1: focused that Francesco. Dialed in for sure. Okay, so you've experienced this massive high in your rookie season. You win on what maybe your ninth start on tour. Um, and then you had a few solid weeks, you had a good finish at the players, and then things got tougher after that. Um, and you've had a tougher stretch of form. Tell us a little bit about your season since then. Um, not much going on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> after, uh, you know, I have made a couple cuts and then the last two months has just been just a massive dry spell. I don't know what's going on. And, and I guess that's the nature of golf is you, you, you. Sometimes play well, and sometimes you know you're a little bit lost and you're trying to figure it out. But that's something that you know I think every player goes through. And so I'm trying to be optimistic about it because obviously I have not had good results in the last couple months. But you know maybe a little break and a little podcasting in the golf magazine studio is going to be the key to success. Yeah,
0: yeah, and a little bit of like less Dylan caddying for you because that has not worked out either time as well thus
1: far. Not the best results but good memories good times
0: i will say you know i've caddied for dylan a couple times when i heard that he was going to caddy for you you know a couple months after meeting you i was kind of offended that you didn't ask me to caddy Mm. in in favor of dylan this guy who has clearly had his own career struggles as a player (laughs) wow (laughs) wow. Uh, i'm kidding but uh but
2: does that make you 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 are my caddy's caddy Yeah,
1: for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know how there's like comics, comics, you're a caddy's caddy. Exactly. This is kind
1: of a transitive property thing here. But I mean, look, I, to Sean's point, I do have experience missing a ton of cuts (laughs) in a row and it sucks. It is like, you know, as much as you try to keep perspective, at least in my experience, there's a part of it that is like all encompassing. Right. So I don't know. Like, what has that been like?
2: I mean, that's why you were there. You know, it was like, if I miss the cut, I want the king of the missed cuts <laughs> to be out there with me commiserating. Yeah. yeah it was a little bit. It just been
1: contagious instead.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it was obviously great having you out there, and it was super fun. And that's kind of my thing is I love having a caddy that I can actually enjoy the experience with. And, you know, I think that a lot of guys – hire, you know, professionals have been out there for a long time and they're all about business and, you know, I'm just going to be out on tour for however long that is. I don't know. I know it's the next two years for sure, mm-hmm. but ultimately, like, I want it to be a memorable experience and I want to share that with people that actually enjoy being around. And mm-hmm. so, um, it was great having you out there and we'll make a cut together eventually. We will.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a bright future ahead. Is there, is there any moment that sticks out as like, a you know, being really close or being really far away from the last few months? Uh, A lot of being far,
2: not, (laughs) not a lot of closeness, just a lot of farness.
1: Yeah. But you're telling me about Reno.
2: Oh man. Reno was just the absolute nadir of my career. I mean, I like, (laughs) I literally, you guys would have smoked me on Friday, (laughs) Reno. I mean, I was playing so badly and I was so lost and you know, it was just hard to handle because, you know, it's such a helpless feeling being out there and and you're playing on the PGA Tour, which is sort of a dream. And, you know, yeah, it's been a great year and I'm going to get the opportunity to do so again. But you, you just feel like every event is a precious opportunity when you're out there. And, I mean, it was just such a low for me. I couldn't, I mean, I felt bad for my playing partners. They were just watching, just... OB balls. Thank goodness it was Stableford, by the way,
1: because I, I picked up like, that, like five times. <laughs> really? So you can just pick up in a Stableford tournament, as far as we know? Uh, I, I believe that they
2: told us to not pick up because it would be sort of unprofessional, but I think what my golf shots were unprofessional, so I think picking <laughs> up was the more professional of the two routes. That's awesome. Oh,
1: man. Well, you played you, your most recent round at the Wyndham. You played better. So you've got some optimism going forward, you you're going you're gonna, to what you're going to meet with a a coach, you're going to take some time, what's kind of the game plan going forward because now you've got a few weeks to get a little space.
2: Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to try to figure it out, I guess, you know. I'm going to take a little time off. I'm going to Europe with my girlfriend and you know, I'm going to take a little uh, you know, a little me time away from the game and hopefully that'll magically solve my problems. I mean, that's basically my game plan, is just taking time off and hoping it magically solves everything.
1: I have no other answers. That sounds pretty foolproof to me. Um, so <laughs> looking back, you know, what are the biggest uh, kind of myths about the PGA Tour and, and the people on it, the guys out there? You know, it's not all sunshine and daisies. That's
2: probably the biggest one is I think a lot of people watch TV and they imagine these guys – flying private jets and playing the tour and having just this epic life. And that's a bit of a fantasy, you know, when you're out there, I mean, the way I would describe it is is it's sort of it's sort of like high paying manual labor. Like you're mixed with performance. Like you really are just like I sometimes I'm just out there and it's hot and I'm walking down the fairway and I'm like, I'm literally walking and like exerting force onto this golf ball for hours and then going home really tired cuz the it was hot and the course Hell was hilly. I mean, it's uh, of course that's a pessimistic way of viewing it and everyone no, wishes that it. that they they would, you know, be doing that, but you know, I think that it I think when you talk to to fans and the best is the volunteers at every tournament by the way. I mean, the <laughs> volunteers, it's always people between 60 and 70 years old who just love golf just and avid. they it's their one opportunity to like kind of you know talk to tour players oh, yeah. and they're always and pick happy. their brains and they're just always having such a great time i'm <laughs> jealous i mean yeah. they're just having a way better time than every other player in the field it's it's incredible like yeah. we should we should be talking to the volunteers talking to them in admiration rather than the other way around <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it it is hard. Like, there's no doubt that it's just, it's very, very difficult. And there's way more difficult things, obviously. I mean, you're playing golf and, you know, you're playing beautiful courses. And so I understand why you would not have sympathy for someone who's complaining about how hard it is. But, you know, it's, it's tough. You travel a lot. You're away from your family. And there's just things that you don't really have that you know, I think other people might take for granted, you know, in sort of a more normal um,
1: job situation. Lastly, I just want to ask, because this is, I know the question that you probably get the most of (laughs) Mm. like, who are the guys that, who are like the cool guys out there? (laughs) Who are the guys that you like playing with? Like who's different than, uh, than what you expected? What's the answer that you typically give to that?
2: I mean, I guess that answer varies with every player. But in my opinion, you know, the guys that I've really enjoyed getting to know and meeting, not really, you know, sort of guys that, that you would necessarily know that well. But, I mean, I really enjoyed, you know, Ben Crane is a great guy. Webb Simpson, super nice guy. He,
0: he feels like the nicest person. Yeah. Like Web Web, Simpson. Like, Webb Simpson. Yeah. Webb is a
2: great guy. Like, I mean, Another guy I really enjoy is uh, Anirban Lahiri, oh, who yes. I hope will be with us next year. Is it weird to be talking about people like they died? They, <laughs> like, yeah. like, I hope he'll be out there next year. <laughs> I don't know what his status situation is, but he's just a fantastic guy. Really, really positive attitude. Yeah. Those I, are the guys I have that mad I really respect
0: enjoy. for for Lahiri because um, he did this uh, Vipassana meditation week mm. where you go to this like retreat. And you don't talk to people. There's no talking mm-hmm. for like three days at a time. Wow! And he did that to kind of like clear his head. Maybe like, that's what I need right now maybe to you fix should do my that. game. It's it's intense stuff. Like you go there and you check in, and they don't expect you to speak for another like 24 hours. And he went there to kind of like clear his head, and he ended up playing well afterwards. So wow. I don't know
1: how well your European vacation with your girlfriend's gonna go, though. If you're like uh.
2: I'm just not going to speak just for won't. the whole time. I'm not going to talk. I'm going to combine the two concepts.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Can I
2: tell you guys uh, my favorite story of no. the year? No. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> that doesn't team. sound like something we'd be interested in. <laughs> so I was playing with Siwoo Kim at Bay Hill, and in just an epic moment of unlikelihood, he absolutely pipes his drive on 18 just the iconic par yeah. four, yeah. where you sort of get it somewhere in the fairway. That hole is actually really narrow, yeah. and the rough is so high at Bay Hill that, like, you have to like punch out if you hit case. it in the rough, you are chunking it up to, you know, 40 yards short of the green. And, like, you have either a pitch shot to the front or you have this crazy wedge shot over water to the back. I mean, it, it's just not an easy hole. You have to hit the fairway. And he was sort of, you know, Siwoo. Is a young guy and and he's sort of a fiery guy and like he he's a lot of fun to play with he's an absolute character but he just pipes this drive and he's just so happy and we just look up there and it takes a big bounce and I'm oh no. like huh that's weird like it just took a huge hop he's gonna be way down there he's gonna have like a pitching wedge and this is fantastic and little do we know the big bounce came from him hitting the Robert Gomez memorial hole out oh. plate oh. and it scoots all the way down into the water no. and he and my i hit also hit a good drive down the middle and i hit oh. a little further than Siwoo. so i was like oh man like really there's one ball in the fairway but there's no other ball where's the other ball like did i hit it and did i go all the way through like yeah. it's a little downwind but it's like <laughs> 350 yards or something there's no way i got all the way down there and i see my ball in the fairway oh. i'm like oh thank goodness but where's siwoo at is he in a sprinkler i was like looking around the sprinklers and he just and then i turn around i look at him just he's just standing on the edge of the lake <laughs> staring into the lake disappointed and then he pulls out his yardage book and he throws it in the lake no
0: way <laughs> and then yes.
1: We proceed to finish the round. I mean, just an all time moment.
0: (laughs) Throws it into the lake. I've
1: never, that's two things I've never heard someone hitting the Robert Gomez Memorial plaque and then the yardage book throw. We've seen Rory's three iron go in the lake. We've seen Daly throw a number of different objects into the lake, but I've never heard the yardage book. And
2: the best part is that then his caddy proceeds to like rip into Robert Gomez and his career and how undeserving he is <laughs> oh, of man. having a plate out there and how it's just total BS that there's a stupid plate commemorating his <laughs> career. To be, to be fair, career. I have
0: no idea like what Robert Gomez did. <laughs> what that's from. Yeah. Wow. He you guys haven't
2: seen that the, he holed out to win the tournament like in yeah, 1991 yeah. at Bay oh. Hill. Mm. Yeah, it, It's fairly deserving of a plaque. It is pretty, yeah. I mean, know. in a way, it's the greatest sort of finishing shot in golf history. Yeah. Like, he literally holes out from the fairway to yeah. win the tournament. That I mean, that's pretty epic. That. Maybe just cover it up with a little soft
1: plastic or something to uh, <laughs> kind
2: of Maybe avoid it. Maybe make the... it into a different material, more of a mushy sort yeah. of, uh, you know, not as much of a trampoline effect
1: for Wu's golf ball. That, I mean, that's fantastic. That's going to be tough to top. No. It's, mm. it's probably a good place to leave it for this time. Martin, we hope you'll uh, come back and join us again sometime next year the 2019 2020 season is almost upon us i'm
0: excited for you all to make a cut together
1: that's right we'll see martin next in action i'm just excited to make a cut yeah with or
2: without dylan yeah i just want a t18 one of these weeks that's all i want i'm gonna freak out when you get i don't want to win i've already
0: won i want a t18 you've reached the top of the mountain you just want to pitch your tent halfway up it's fine all
1: right, we'll see Martin next at the uh, the revitalized, relaunched Greenbrier Classic. Until then, Martin, enjoy Thank your you European adventure. Thanks for coming into the sweltering Golf.com offices right now here in Midtown Manhattan. This has been the Golf.com podcast, and we will see you next week.